Good morning, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Fergus Ewing. I'm the Minister for Energy, Enterprise and Tourism. And welcome to this, the 11th uh, National Economic Forum. Um, the last Economic Forum was held in December 2012 in Murrayfield and was a great success. We had thought of uh, holding this, the 11th Economic Forum uh, in Tynecastle, <laughs> but uh, thought out of deference to the First Minister's uh, uh, preferred football club. That would not be the moment juste for such a venue for this event. Uh, but this is a very important event for us because it gives us in government a chance to meet with you out there in the real world of business, uh, of education, our trade union colleagues and of the third sector. And the purpose of this national forum, economic forum, is that we can all engage together as Team Scotland. And, you know, we've had in the past uh, years when we've been in government a very simple theory that in government we've got a duty to be accessible, available and responsive. And after all, you pay for us. So I think that's the right idea. And therefore, these forums work extremely well from our point of view. And the better the feedback we get from you all, uh, the better we do, I think, as a country. So this morning, uh, we are very fortunate to have uh, Serene Wood, who will address us uh, uh, shortly in relation to the work that he's doing uh, to, with Angela Constance to boost youth uh, employment and to ensure that our young people get the best opportunities in life. Uh, I, I should say that we also have a, a bevy, if that's the right collective noun, for a group of uh, ministers, as well as the First Minister, we uh, have John Swinney, Mike Russell, Angela Constance, Derek Mackay, and Fiona Hislop, uh, as well as a number of uh, extremely senior officials, including the Permanent Secretary. So, um, without uh, further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it's great, my great pleasure to introduce to you, to address you here this morning, the First Minister of Scotland, our First Minister, Alex Salmond. Well, thank you for that introduction, Fergus. Uh, certainly, the loyalty displayed by my ministers is quite extraordinary. You know, how to kick a man when he's down, sort of thing. <laughs> but uh, I just say just a word about the uh, the situation in Hearts. We should always remember that the situation obviously affects fans like myself and and players. But Hearts uh, Love is a substantial employer uh, in the city, and uh, like other clubs who've gone through that process, uh, it's a great time of anxiety for the employees in the heart of Midlovian. Uh, and the one comfort I would have, would have at this time that other clubs have gone through it and emerged at the, at the other end of the, the tunnel and that's what I fully expect Heart of Midlovian to do. We'll be around for a long time, I'm sure we'll be around for a, a long time to come. Now turning to uh, brighter matters, and that's probably the first time in an economic forum I've been able to say that, uh, I think while there's no complacency, none whatsoever in terms of this government, in terms of the approach to the economy, we can look to some substantial achievements. And some of these achievements, I would say, have been contributed to in a very productive way by this economic forum. I'm going to talk about youth employment, and I stress I'm going to talk about youth employment, and then I'm going to talk about some of the other indications in the economy. I'm not going to, we'll have. A, Ian Wood is going to talk to us about the Commission for Developing Scotland's Young Workforce, so 
I'm going to let uh, Ian do a lot of stress on youth employment. Uh, I'm going to talk about some of the other successes within the economy at the present moment. I'm then going to identify which uh, areas we have still to tackle, which are the uh, areas where work still has to be done. Uh, some of them subject to the, uh, the powers of this government and the uh, contribution of this, uh, this forum. Others where uh, we can set forward an aspiration. Uh, and then I'm going to make an announcement which I hope will be of some interest uh, to the forum, uh, but also comes out of uh, some of the ideas which have sprung from, from previous forum. I'd like to start by just having a think about the labour market at the present moment. Having a think that uh, some of us, unfortunately, uh, are able to remember the recession of 1979, uh, and that uh, was until the last few years, the deepest recession, certainly since the Second World War. And therefore, it's appropriate to compare what happened then with what has happened over the last four or five years. And uh, the remarkable thing, the most remarkable thing, perhaps, and the most unexpected thing, uh, you know, obviously, I. Uh, my career, I'm an economist, and uh, you know, about uh, laying all the economists in the world end to end and never reaching a conclusion. It's also true, if you lay all the economists in the world end to end, you'd never get a correct forecast. But I think just about every economist has been taken by surprise, to one extent or another, by the resilience of the labour market through this recession. Uh, because the drop in national output in 1979 was much less than it has been over the last five years, and yet by 1984 the rate of unemployment in Scotland had reached 15%. Uh, in this, right now, uh, the rate of unemployment in Scotland is marginally over 7%. And that's been a huge difference between this recession and previous recessions. Now there are uh, a range of explanations for that, and I'm going to go into some of them in a, a minute or two. Uh, there is obviously underemployment in the economy. There's SDUC and uh, uh, the Scottish Government published a very interesting study this week which examined some of the trends in underemployment. But it's not true to say that the recent strong recovery we've seen in the labour market is due to part-time jobs. Some people say that, but it's just totally inaccurate. Uh, if you take the year to January to March, there was an increase of 44,000 in people in jobs in Scotland. 41,000 of these 44,000 were full-time workers, 2,000 were part-time workers, and there was no change at all in temporary employment. So the recent improvement has been soundly based uh, on full-time work. And the recent improvement which all of us should take most comfort, satisfaction from, is this spectacular improvement in youth unemployment in Scotland, and indeed in youth employment trends. Just to illustrate how considerable the achievement is in Scotland, uh, this is a, a table here of the, all of the European Union 27 countries, and comparing them with Scotland in terms of youth unemployment. Right at the top is Spain and Greece, where youth unemployment is over 50%. Then there's a whole nexus of countries, most of the Eastern European countries, Slovakia, Bulgaria, Poland, where Unemployment among youth is at 30%. Then you come down to the uh, Scandinavian uh, countries, the uh, Estonia, the Baltic states, where, and the UK for that matter, where unemployment among young people is at 20%. And then right down at the bottom, that's the best bit, that's top of the table, if you like, 
least youth unemployment, you come to Scotland at 15%, Malta at 14%, and the top four, Denmark, Netherlands, Austria and Germany, where uh, youth unemployment is around 10%. Uh, so, you know, to have the sixth lowest youth unemployment across the European continent is a considerable advance for Scotland. Now, I think Ian will talk a bit about some of the things that are happening uh, as far as that's concerned. But what I want just to say is this, that we've had huge engagement, in particular Angela Constance, as you remember, appointed as Europe's first youth employment minister 18 months ago, has had huge enga engagement across the, the sectors, across the large businesses in Scotland, the small businesses in Scotland, the third sector. We've had a Team Scotland approach embracing uh, STUC, employers, local authorities, which has been highly successful. There's a whole range of reasons, I think. I don't think it's any one magic bullet that explains these trends. But just to say how important they are, and I know each and every one of us is fully committed to this cause. I mean, last week uh, I went to Miller Callaghan Engineering in Ayrshire. And I went there specifically because of a proposition and a proposal which came out of this forum when we discussed youth employment just over a year ago. And that was the argument that it's not as easy for small companies, who are the biggest employers in the economy, to take part in, for example, apprenticeship schemes, because a commitment even to one apprentice is a huge commitment for small companies. Uh, and it, uh, the feeling that we had to find a way to, to engage the small company sector and make it more possible uh, for the small companies to engage in the, the drive against youth unemployment. So I went to Miller Callaghan Engineering, a fine engineering company in Ayrshire, Nervin in Ayrshire, employees about 30, 35 employees, uh, and uh, announced uh, last week uh, an £88 million scheme with Scotland's local authorities to offer a wage subsidy for up to 10,000 more young people into employment over the next couple of years. Uh, talking to that company, incidentally, Miller Carrigan are, uh, are sorting every bridge in Scotland at the present moment. And now that I've mentioned it, and I said I would promote them at <laughs> this, this meeting, if you, if you go to Keswick Bridge or the, the Fourth Road Bridge or the, the New Bridge, you'll see their signs and you'll start to, and they actually have workers in every single bridge in Scotland at the, at, at the present moment. And what they told me was that a few months back they were going to take on two youngsters uh, in uh, this programme. And then they interviewed the youngsters <coughs> and they were so impressed by the outstanding quality of the people coming forward that they decided to take four. Uh, and I spoke to all four of these uh, young people last week uh, and they are absolutely walking on air. Actually quite literally because they're several hundred feet up <laughs> in, in the bridges around Scotland at the, at the present moment. But to, to talk to these youngsters about how this has transformed their outlook in life a couple of them had a, a few false starts in uh, employment with what we might describe as jobs of limited prospects. Uh, keen to work and are now, uh, well, one, one lad after a few months has done his first welding certificate, is well on his way to, to full qualification, another is gouging, uh, which those of you of an engineering bent will understand full well, which is fantastic for making lots of sparks and, uh, and it's what they've always wanted to do. And their entire lives have been transformed. Uh, and all of us know that uh, there's nothing better, nothing better than seeing youngsters in that position. So I'm going to leave a lot of this to, to, to Ian to talk about the work of his uh, commission. 
but what I wanted this meeting to know <coughs> is that uh, there has been a substantial input and a substantial success in that national Team Scotland approach <coughs> to driving against youth unemployment. Now, you know, it's not a one where there's no doubt there'll be bumps along the road. We've got another whole cohort of school leavers coming onto the, the jobs market. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, if we accelerate from the successes we've had to date, uh, then we can uh, not just keep our, our position in fifth, sixth top of that uh, table of employment for young people in Scotland, but drive our way to, to the very top of the European table. That should certainly be uh, our ambition. And we should reflect that we have a record number of full-time students in our colleges and universities and higher education at the, uh, at the present moment. We should reflect that our apprenticeship scheme, our 26,000 almost apprentices across Scotland, we now know for the first time that 93% of these youngsters are in employment six months after they complete their apprenticeships. So we actually know for the first time what actually works in terms of the initiatives. But all of these things would mean nothing. You have as many initiatives, if you liked, if we didn't have the full wholehearted cooperation of the <coughs> organisations represented at this economic forum. The more generally in the economy that most of the indicators are, are picking up well. Uh, some people said that uh, we'd be so preoccupied by constitutional debate and, and Scotland, I'm trying to remember who it was, it was the Chancellor of the Exchequer said this a year past November that uh, he'd been speaking to companies who were worried about investing in Scotland and he thought this would have a very severe effect. As we know from the Ernst & Young survey, uh, last year we achieved our best inward investment performance in terms of projects for 15 years and I can tell you from the projects that are going through uh, at the present moment, this year is going to be equally, I hope, I hope, even more successful than that uh, sparkling performance uh, as Ernst & Young. So perhaps uh, you know, some of the uh, prophets of doom who uh, may or may not have uh, ulterior motives for saying such things uh, should have a look at the figures and reflect on how attractive Scotland is uh, for key investments, key sectors in energy, renewable energy, life sciences and a number of other sectors we've identified as having fantastic engaging prospects. Issues that we've still got to confront. <coughs> the Banking uh, Commission, uh, uh, Parliamentary Banking Commission issued its report today and uh, correctly identified uh, that the role and purpose of banks is to ensure a transmission mechanism of lending into the economy. And you know, whatever is done about uh, the retail banks, that is what the focus should be. <laughs> you know, the focus should not be to wipe a billion pound off the shares of the Royal Bank in the space of two days uh, by interfering in who the chief executive is. Uh, the focus should not be in the terms of the structural change. The focus should be entirely on how structural change will enable that transmission mechanism to be re-established. That is the purpose and should be the purpose of banking uh, reform. The issue of availability of finance, although legitimately the banks point to the demand as well, but nonetheless the availability of finance at the rates that's available is still a key strategic issue uh, in the Scottish economy. It's still an impediment uh, to uh, recovery. Uh, capital investment, the NPD programme in Scotland has identified some <coughs> uh, spectacular and I think hugely successful ways through the Scottish Futures Trust to enable us to pursue a capital investment programme in the face of direct capital cutbacks. 
uh, and it's done it in a way which is infinitely superior to PFI in the past, but any revenue-based stream always is subject to delay because of the various procedures that have to be gone through. I happen to think that the Schools for the Future programme, for example, is the best schools programme and capital investment we've ever had in Scotland. And I commend anyone here to go and visit one of the Schools for the Future and look at the design. The design, incidentally, is consistent throughout the country. That's one of the reasons that the cost of these schools is much less than capital cost of schools in the past. But the design is, is built for a, a school for the 21st century. They are schools for the future. And I would commend anybody to go and have a look at these schools which are rising across Scotland at the present moment uh, and see a design which is uh, practically based uh, as well as being fully equipped for the, the modern age. But we would do well to be able, for example, in Scotland uh, to decide to put Scottish Water, our major public uh, authority, in the water industry, a highly successful company into the same basis as uh, Network Rail is at the present moment, as a public company with the uh, ability to uh, borrow in the capital markets, unleashing, for example, much capital finance that could be used generally through the economy. Uh, the freedom to do these things uh, is part of the process and the recognition that there's been no better time in recent history than to have capital investments, and they may not be in the foreseeable future a better time in terms of cost and availability of capital for infrastructure to invest in the infrastructure of an economy. This is a, an opportunity which uh, should not go to waste as well as a, a means of stimulating and speeding recovery. So these are some of the obstacles that remain <coughs> to economic growth. But this uh, body <coughs> identified uh, in a previous meeting that innovation uh, was something that was required uh, in order to help drive the economy forward in Scotland. And therefore, today I am announcing a 20 million business innovation and growth programme, uh, which hopefully will do uh, exactly that. Uh, this is accessing further uh, European Regional Development Fund ERDF allocation. We anticipate that it will lever a further 30 million from public and third sector partners to deliver projects supporting economic growth and innovation throughout the, the country. The time Given the trends in the labour market, given some of the, the encouraging signs that we have, this is exactly the moment uh, to identify how to push further forward. Whether that be, as we did last week, finding a way with local authorities to enable small companies in Scotland to participate fully in the drive against youth unemployment. Whether it be looking at some of the structural issues in terms of uh, an innovation fund to, to help us in that area, particularly with Indigenous companies in Scotland, whether it be unblocking and having the, the, the focus uh, to recognise what the key issues are as far as the financial sector is concerned and that transmission mechanism, whether it's unblocking the, the route to, to, uh, to capital investment uh, in Scotland. Uh, these are moments as the economy starts to recover, as the labour market shows these encouraging trends to drive forward. And what I can say on behalf of the, the ministerial team, and you've got a a galaxy of them uh, assembled uh, here today, a first team squad of ministerial, I don't know what you call a collective noun for ministers. We have a cabinet of ministers here, uh, all making contributions to the debate as it unfolds. But what I want people here to understand is that this forum, established over the last few years, and the contributions that have been made have been hugely significant, whether it's been the youth employment, uh, significance where it's been the capital availability, 
whether it's been female participation in the workforce, which I would suggest to you is one of the key ways that we can now enable the full productive potential of Scotland to be used if we can find ways to increase that participation rate, as I expect we can do. Uh, one of the great available resources of Scotland currently not fully tapped, women's participation in the workforce. Uh, but when all these things, which have been touched on and discussed uh, by uh, this, uh, this forum, uh, have been invaluable in giving us the ideas and the engagement which people like Angela Constance have taken forward to such practical and devastatingly positive effect as far as youth employment is concerned. But in all of these things, nothing, nothing is more important in my estimation uh, than the successes we're seeing in youth employment in Scotland at the present moment. Uh, so I thank you for your contribution. I look forward to hearing Ian's uh, uh, work in the, in the Commission, because whatever success we're having, we can have a great deal more if we accentuate and drive forward the things that are working for Scotland. Thank you very much. Yes, yes indeed. Thank you very much, uh, First Minister, for, for those words. And uh, I now realise that uh, the collective noun for a group of ministers is not, as I earlier said, a bevy, but a galaxy. I'm part of a galaxy. I will remember that in future. Um, the First Minister has reminded us of the tragedy of the youth employment and unemployment in countries like Spain. It really is a human tragedy. And we are fortunate that uh, in this country we have achieved uh, better things with the assistance of a team of ministers, and in particular Angela Constance. And as part of that work, uh, a commission has been set up in order to ensure that we are doing everything we can to drive that figure down further and to ensure that every young person has the opportunities that they deserve in life. And therefore, it's my great pleasure to introduce our next speaker, although no introduction is really required. It's been my privilege as Minister for Energy uh, over the past two years to spend uh, quite a bit of time in Aberdeen and with a, a number of companies, 80 or 90 companies, uh, who are leading the world, uh, in my judgment, in the oil and gas sector in so many ways. Preeminent amongst those uh, is the Wood Group. Uh, and it's my great pleasure to introduce to you Serene Wood, former chairman of the Wood Group and heading up the Commission on Developing the Youth Workforce. Serene. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for this opportunity to uh, speak on the challenges for this Commission Developing Scotland's Young Workforce. And frankly, we're really quite hopeful of getting some helpful feedback from you, both at this plenary session, but perhaps more, um, um, more so at the relevant breakout groups. The Commission really got underway in February. We have eight members. Um, I chair the Commission. Linda Mackay, who is here, Vice Chair, Principal of Forth Valley College. Um, Sir Willie Hockey, I'm sure known to many of you, a very successful Glasgow businessman with an intense interest in the employment of uh, young people. Um, Graeme Smith, General Secretary of the SDUC. Um, Christine Pollock, just about to retire as the Director of Education for North Lanarkshire. Sue Bruce, Chief Executive of Fenborough City Council. And Robin Parker, um, who's also um, um, here, outgoing President of the National Union of Students in Scotland. And then very helpfully, a gentleman called Michael Davis, who's the Chief Executive of the UK Commission for employment and skills. So we have an extraordinarily um, strong mix, wealth of experience and knowledge. 
um, and I believe the Commission is making a good start in its deliberations. We will issue an interim report in August and a final report um, hopefully early next year. So, a, li a little has already been said about the challenges to Scotland's young workforce. There is some really, really good news um, in terms of the reduction over the last um, um, three or four months, and, and I'm going to add my congratulations to Angela Constance and her team. Um, a lot has been done to engage business and industry um, over the last 12, 18 months, and, and really to good effect. But really to put that good news in perspective, the corresponding figure um, was 49,000. The current figure from the latest is about 61,000 young people unemployed in Scotland. The, the corresponding figure May 2008 was 49,000, and the 61,000 means there are still that number of young people in Scotland waking up every morning and believing that their community has no real need for them, and that is a very significant issue and problem. And also, as the First Minister has said, our figures compare, and I'm a bottle half empty guy, figures compare less favourably with some of the other key nations in, uh, in Europe. So, really good progress, but a lot more to do. In very simple terms, the task of the Commission is to recommend how we can produce better qualified young people relevant to the labour market and how we can persuade employers to give more young people a chance. Presently, only one in four employers in Scotland take on young people direct from education. That's, that's, that's quite a statistic. One in four take them on direct from education right now. Our deliberations uh, have become focused in four interrelated um, areas. Firstly, enhancing vocational education in schools. Secondly, the role of colleges and the opportunities from the recent restructuring proposals. Thirdly, the potential to further develop modern apprenticeship uh, programmes. And fourthly, the role of employers in this whole process. It's fair to say we spent most of the last few months, initial period, on the first three, and recommendations on them will dominate the interim report in August and there will be then much more focus on the role and involvement of employers in the final report. Let me begin with schools. It was really clear from the beginning that schools in Scotland, and indeed the UK, are very focused on academic um, education. And this is reinforced by this being the only published measure of their performance. An early quote that really haunted me first time I heard it and stayed with me, and it came from a number of different sources in our early deliberations, was that 90% of schools in Scotland are run for the benefit of 50% of the pupils, and that's the academic um, um, aspiration pupils. Curriculum for Excellence, which is now generally well received and supported in schools, is a driver for change, a very important opportunity for change, but will only really achieve that in vocational if vocational is, seen as se taken as seriously as academic. The academic youngster, generally from early and senior school, there's a very clear pathway and a destination. Simple, I want to get my hires, I want to go to university. In contrast, the non-academic, a descriptive term I intensely dislike because it in itself implies negativity, doesn't have a clear pathway, nor destination. And a consistent theme in discussion with parents, again in the early days of the, um, of the commission, is that of the young person going into fourth year school with no academic aspiration, doesn't want to leave school because there's no employment, and simply drifting. No motivation, no purpose, and fast becoming bored and frustrated. So, 
Our interim report will undoubtedly address the issue of how the content and status of vocational education in our schools can be significantly developed and enhanced, almost certainly working very closely with colleges, and to try and provide clear pathways and destinations to motivate these youngsters and better prepare them for the world of work. Our recommendations here will be reinforced by plans already underway to introduce next year new benchmarking proposals um, to measure performance in schools, and this will be over a much broader spectrum. Although the change will clearly pick up um, and recognise the, 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 the very positive impact of Curriculum for Excellence, it will also hopefully measure schools in terms of their vocational performance and the output of wider skills. Two other key areas. Um, firstly, how can we ensure that young people have a better understanding of the world of work, with more work experience and a better interchange between schools and business? And therefore, we'll look at a recommendation um, that all young people should have enhanced employability learning quite early in senior school. I mean, a constant feedback theme from employers is young people turning up for a job and don't really have any feeling of what employability is about and really understanding the world of work. The second is the need for good careers advice in schools and colleges. Young people need to better understand uh, the possible employment choices relevant to their capabilities, their skills and their work aspirations. Skills Development Scotland have placed their focus on my world of work and individual career management skills. Although it's early days, initial feedback is that this in itself isn't enough and needs a broader effort. And here business can play an immense role in ensuring that youngsters better understand the opportunities of the world of work. And this will best be done in long-term partnership with schools and colleges who both need to allocate more resources to work at this. Similarly, teacher training programmes need to have modules um, which uh, will include the world of work, careers advice and employability skills. I mean, just to finish briefly and positively in schools, I think the Commission have been incredibly impressed, um, not just at the impact of um, Curriculum for Excellence in terms of broadening young people's skills, but also um, by the quality and dedication and commitment of most head teachers and teachers we've met. And I'm going to single out particularly the, the directors of education, who are clearly committed to the youngsters they teach and also up for change, although we have to watch that it's measured change. Moving to colleges. Colleges in Scotland are going through a significant programme of reform, and larger colleges, incentivised to meet the needs of their regional labour markets and more focus on employment outcomes, will be an asset for Scotland moving forward. There's some real opportunities for colleges from the changes currently underway. There are encouraging signs, um, both from the mergers already carried out and those underway, of good leadership appointments, effective programmes of rationalisation, establishing clear centres of excellence, and aiming to build up strong links to business. This will be, be reinforced by the Funding Council realigning its measurement programmes in line with these objectives. As I've indicated, colleges can play or will play a very significant role in enhancing vocational education in schools and likewise can contribute significantly more to the uh, apprenticeship um, programmes. The merged regional colleges should also aim to play a guiding role in local community partnerships on education and economic development with the opportunity of applying regional skills assessment. What is that? Effectively matching the college input to the anticipated output, although this can only be directional. For example, more focus on the STEM subjects 
and also in demographic changes. Similarly to schools, colleges need to look at maximising work experience, careers advice from within the college, and also the possibility of providing some kind of employment service available um, for those uh, uh, leaving college, all potentially possible with the enlarged college with more resources. Um, and also dedicated staff working on the relationships with schools um, and with uh, local business. So these are some of the areas really with the greater focus on employment output and um, that will feature in our interim recommendations. Thirdly, apprenticeships. Um, I mean, the Commission see this as a very relevant and desirable career path for many young people providing um, on-the-job training and employment. As the First Minister has said, the number is now up to excess of 25,000 each year in Scotland. The modern apprentice qualification covers a very wide range of frameworks, um, skills, abilities and levels of achievement. Um, but we believe that employers should be encouraged and can be encouraged um, to offer significantly more good quality apprenticeships. And if that's the case, then the annual number should certainly be um, increased. Some of the issues and opportunities. Um, why can't a pathway into apprenticeship um, start in schools and be offered consistently across the country? The First Minister referred to the importance of small SMEs um, being encouraged to take on apprentices. If we could introduce this um, pathway in, in, in schools and actually cover the first part of the, the theoretical, the classroom work, young people could then go into the apprenticeship and start working right away. And that would be a huge encouragement for SMEs to take on more uh, apprentices. Um, young people definitely need better support to find and successfully access a modern apprenticeship. Common comment um, from young people is, we're actually not sure where to start in terms of getting an apprenticeship. Thirdly, there's a need for more higher level modern apprenticeship pathways to be developed in partnership with industry. Um, and indeed, some quite exciting developments in the accountancy profession right now who are increasing, significantly increasing the number of um, accounting um, apprentices they take on. Fourthly, there's the potential for employers to take a much more proactive lead in developing and delivering the modern apprenticeship programme. And fifthly, the modern apprenticeship brand presently covers a wide range of achievement levels. And there's a clear requirement to introducing branding differentiation to describe different levels of apprenticeships. Lastly, and, and maybe more relevantly today uh, for today's audience, is the role of business and industry in developing Scotland's young workforce. For too long, too many businesses in Scotland have been passive consumers of the education system and not really engaged with those responsible for developing our young workforce. There are some outstanding exceptions, quite a lot of them, but generally, by far the largest part of business industry in Scotland sees their interest in education beginning when they start looking for someone to employ. And that's entirely wrong. Most employers don't recruit directly from the world of education. Many of them simply complain that young people coming out of education are ill-prepared for work. The Commission believes this is only a very limited truth. Um, and that anyway, the self-interest of, interest of business and industry must be to participate and help achieve the best in the quality of our school and college education and preparing young people for work. All businesses of any size should have an invest in youth policy and show more interest in the process of education and training as key consumers of the output. Investing in our young people makes real economic sense and enhances the quality of your next generation of employees. There are many, many examples of ways to do this in good practice. Some companies adopt a school 
provide meaningful work experience. And work experience is incredibly important in terms of employers eventually taking on young people. Assisting with vocational equipment and resources to schools and colleges, larger companies encouraging the smaller companies in the supply chain in a number of ways to support a youth policy, participation in regional and sector skills councils, encouraging some of your employees, particularly younger ones, to spend time in schools talking to the school pupils, telling them what the job is about, um, inviting teachers to spend time in uh, industry and better understand the world of work, and there's many more. I've already said that schools and colleges must enhance their commitment in this area with appropriate resources, and the key will be the development of longer-term partnerships. What is quite clear is that there's a whole lot of short-term arrangements between businesses, schools, businesses, college, which are okay for a short um, period of time and short benefit. What is essential is a long-term partnership with both agreeing a plan and a series of objectives and then working to deliver um, that. The Commission recognises that smaller employers will struggle with some of, some of this agenda and we must maximise the extent to which various initiatives are SME friendly and where larger businesses can play a key role in supporting the SMEs and delivering um, the policies. It's also clear, and the First Minister has announced another one recently, financial incentives to support wage costs can make a big difference, um, particularly to smaller employees, but they have to be user-friendly and uh, simple to access. With the different employment prospects and patterns around the country, I think we see, and I've already said, by far the largest part of our work on this will be in the second six months of this year, but I, we see regional initiatives that are very different regional employment patterns and, 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 and challenges. So we see regional um, investment in youth initiatives probably being the most successful. And there are already some blueprints for this um, on the ground, and we'll look hard at um, these later this year. Let me just finish with two general points and then pose a number of questions. Firstly, um, Scotland must look critically at the ingrained culture that somehow academic education equals professional and is way ahead of vocational. This has been a consistent concern in the Commission's deliberations. The truth is that a lot of vocational occupations earn significantly more than the academic and are highly professional, playing an immensely important part in our economy. For example, Norsey Oil and Gas is probably um, at least one of, if not the UK's most successful new industry over the last 40 years. And this has very much been supported by a huge number of technicians, designers, draftsmen, tradesmen, drillers, riggers, roustabouts, and many others um, who've, as well as contributing hugely to the UK economy, um, earned extremely well for themselves. And there's frankly a case to attract more of our so-called academic youngsters into vocational um, occupations. Technology is changing the world at work and the ability to use and apply information technology is significantly enhancing the contribution of what we call vocational occupations. So that gap needs to significantly um, narrow. The second general point is that in each of the four sectors there's an awful lot of good practice across Scotland. Um, and if we could get that shared and adopted uh, across the four sectors, I guess we'd solve about half the problems. So today's forum is a great opportunity to get some helpful input. Um, Linda Mackay will be here for the day. Robin Parker will be here. Um, Hugh McAloon, who's our Scottish Government official supporting us, will be here for the day. And they will bring back um, the outcome of some of your relevant deliberations. 
I know that each of the breakout sessions have a number of identified questions, but I'm going to leave you with five questions relevant to our work. Firstly, how do you believe in the school and college environment we can better prepare our young people for the world of work? What else can we do in school and college to make them more ready to step into the world of work? Secondly, how can we significantly enhance vocational pathways um, and destinations in schools? Assuming you agree that that's a, a reasonable requirement and I think we intensely think it's the right thing to do. Thirdly, how can we ensure young people, parents and teachers better understand the career opportunities in the world at work and they're able to um, help young, younger people to make a better determination of their career path. Fourthly, how can the new larger regional colleges incorporate more focus on employment and employability to achieve better employment and, and output returns? And then finally, and very importantly, how best can we encourage employers to engage more in the education system, commit to more apprenticeships, develop their invest in youth policies, and provide more employment opportunities for young people straight out of education. Thank you very much. Serene, thank you very much indeed for your address, and uh, it was extremely stimulating. Now we have, we are slightly over time, we have about uh, 12 minutes before the break, and uh, this is an opportunity, I think, really to follow up the theme of what more we can do for Scotland's young people in this session and direct questions to the First Minister or Serene Wood or both of them. I'm going to take questions uh, or points, suggestions, uh, in groups of three, if I may, so that we can include as many as possible. So uh, there will be a roving mic, and if you wish to signify by raising your arm, it's always slow to be first in Scotland for some reason. There's a flurry of hands later. Uh, but uh, I think uh, you were first last time, Tim, so you're first again this time. So there we are. There's a lesson for you all. Fire ahead. Tim O'Shea, University of Edinburgh. I thought two, two wonderful presentations. I thought the, the First Minister's remarks were immensely encouraging, and I thought the agenda Syrian put forward um, is, is absolutely critical, and I'm deeply supportive. Um, and so it's a suggestion which is a part answer to Ian's first question and um, comes off his first general point. I mean, we see information and communication technology becoming pervasive. Uh, we, there is hardly a dimension of work that does not include information and communication technology in some guise. Uh, we also see uh, our younger people, even when they're not effectively taught in schools, uh, in, in information and communication technology becoming uh, increasingly adept at using it for different purposes. And University of Edinburgh in January launched six of these massive open online courses. We hit an audience of 308,000. One of the big surprises for us was the number of people under 18, the youngest was a 12-year-old studying astrobiology, um, who were, came on and were perfectly adept using the different communication technologies. So the encouragement I would give would be to, for Sarian and his colleagues to think very hard about the role of information and communication technology, to see it as another access route. I mean, websites are a good way. Young people are used to using websites for discriminating between things. El electronic discussion groups uh, and other social media can be used. So I would really encourage you wholeheartedly to use ICT both as a communication tool to the young people, uh, but also as part of the preparation for the, the world of modern work. 
Thank you very much. Tim, I've got Ian Ritchie, and if somebody else could signify, we'll take a third question and then hear from the panellists. I know you're grouping these Ian. questions together, so I'm supporting Tim really here. Um, I was actually at a meeting a few weeks ago uh, with Inspiring Scotland, and they were talking about how get, getting young people into work. And they kept talking about getting kids into the construction industry. And obviously, that's an important thing. But in my world, more and more companies, you know, run by old people like me, um, need to do social media marketing, need to do really quite stuff that we don't really understand that kids do. And actually, that's a fantastic opportunity for young people who know how to do social media, they know how to tweet, they know how to blog, they know how to Facebook and so forth. And we should be looking at those as career paths and quite, you know, deliberately um, inspiring kids to go into that kind of business. Okay. Thank Thanks, Ian. Is there, there a third? Yes, there's a third. Hi there, Louise MacDonald from Young Scott, um, and I just have to pick up on that point. Um, absolutely, both in terms of the kind of digital technologies, um, we already do have modern apprenticeships and digital creatives. Young Scots just run a program, we had 12 young people, 100% pass rate, and all of them gone into jobs. So that kind of space is really interesting, but I think it's also about how you connect young people to that kind of information and the knowledge of different kind of careers as well. We absolutely accept that young people are connected and connected in this world, but we also have to recognise that for a lot of young people there is still a challenge in being connected. They might have their Blackberry, but they might not have a data package. So we need to think of more about where in their community when they wake up in the morning. I was very taken by your comments, Ian, around that, about where they connect. So I think those are spaces that employers can really help with as well. Right. Well, thanks, Louise. And uh, I pass the palace, and if we have some reasonably succinct answers, there'll be some opportunity for another round of three questions. First Minister, Surian. No, just, just very briefly, um, on Tim O'Shea's note, it is actually quite an important issue to understand for younger kids, and I'm going to say, what, 12, 16, 17, they are incredibly IT-orientated and used to it. But actually, there's also a factor that there's some things you can ask them to do which they're not terribly interested in through IT, and they lose interest. And I think it's one of the challenges. I mean, I think, I think um, uh, SDS has put a huge amount of work and produced a, 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 a great um, program um, in terms of my world of work. But the feedback is that that will only work if there is a significant amount of mentoring of, of, of older people, teachers, whatever, actually alongside them, or parents. I mean, we've spoken to a lot of parents who sat down with the, 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 the youngster to go through my world of work, and the youngster would give up if the parent wasn't with them. So, so we actually have to better understand, I mean, I completely, fundamentally, what you say, IT is pervading everything. But we just have to understand kids love to tweet and do everything else in IT, but give them something that looks like it's a little bit difficult or complex, but they can't quite follow it. And, and let's face it, there's a wide range of ability of kids being asked to do my world of work, and I know there's special support for those that are, that are um, if you like, the less capable. But we have to just ensure that, that it is actually really working and that kids are able to, um, to go right through it. I, I think there were all very positive points made. Uh, I was just thinking about the, the, this transition. I mean, we have to know where we are. I mean, the apprenticeship programme in Scotland has expanded from 16,000 to 26,000. And with that expansion has become a, a larger variety of the types of apprenticeship. Some of the good things that have happened with apprentices, apart from what I think anchors apprenticeships, is the fact that people have employed status in Scotland. I think this is absolutely crucial because it means there's a buy-in by the uh, uh, employer. But articulation through apprenticeships is a hugely important thing just now. I mean, uh, 
particularly in the engineering apprentices, uh, the, there's a real appreciation of, uh, uh, of youngsters that the, the apprenticeship is not a ceiling in any sense, uh, that people can do an apprenticeship, then go on to a further education, higher education degree, postgraduate, and that is a, it's removed the, the, any idea that an apprenticeship's a limitation on, on ambition, and I think that's been really important. But what's more to do? Fascinated by uh, Ian's suggestion about whether uh, apprenticeships can be engaged, cutting out that transition from school to apprenticeship. As long as we can preserve the employed status, which is critical, critical to me, I think that's something we can, uh, we can look at. Secondly, we know that positive destinations, and we have the detail in this now, uh, and some, you know, I know folk think you know, statistics are you know, lies, damn lies, and can be manipulated and all the rest of it. They're actually really quite important for, for just understanding the, the, the key to what we need to do. We know that positive destinations from school have been rising over the last few years, and now around 90% for boys, 91, 92% for, for girls. But that's still, you know, 10%. Uh, and uh, so we're still losing people. Uh, and perhaps one of the ways to avoid losing people is to have that uh, to cut out. One of the problems with the work contract uh, south of the border is the six months before you qualify to be on the, the contract. Uh, that's six months. You can lose a, lose a life in six months of, of somebody being uh, unemployed. And therefore, this transmission, this, this uh, continuity between school and apprenticeship seems to me a, a really... I mean, there's, for academic pupils, there is a very set, absolute way by which you pursue your education. You know, you set your exams, you get your qualifications, you apply to college, you apply to university, and there's a transition through. Now, there might be issues on the far side of that in terms of transition. For pupils not going down that route, we've got to close these gaps. And I think if we do, then we'll, we'll have further... Uh, further improvement. But I, I support the, the, the three points that uh, are made. The skills and families come in all shapes and sizes and skills and opportunities come in all shapes and sizes as well. Uh, well, thank, thank you to uh, both the First Minister and Serene. I think uh, to keep to time, we will, we will move on at this point. Um, but on the topic of uh, the entrepreneurialism of young people in the IT world, um, you shouldn't be an enterprise minister unless you have a certain amount of insider information. Uh, and I'm happy to share a little snippet with you because I understand that we have young, one young person here today, namely Mr. Callie Russell, who is today competing in the EDGE final because of the success of uh, his business idea. Uh, uh, and I can uh, advertise it freely to you today as mallz.com. So I don't think it's special pleading, despite Callie Russell being the son of uh, the Education Cabinet Secretary, for me to... <laughs> uh, well, we're all Jock Thompson's bairns and all that, so, uh, uh, you know, even, even Cabinet Secretaries are allowed to see their children succeed. So, uh, so I think we can all wish Callie very well today in the final of The Edge, and, and indeed all the other finalists. I remember young man correctly, he was one of the businesses who got the opportunity from the Spark, Entrepreneurial Spark Initiative, which was a, another issue which uh, was discussed at least and came out of uh, this type of forum which is now rolled out across Scotland in terms of, uh, or rolling out across Scotland with cooperation with uh, key entrepreneurs and providing the facilities for, for businesses. 
Uh, and uh, that's that's very really encouraging. One thing I did note, I can't resist saying this, that Ian, you actually said in your presentation there were exciting developments in accountancy. <laughs> <laughs> that's an amazing thing. <laughs> Well, we've moved a long, a long way since the advert. I used to be an accountant until I discovered Smirnoff. I think those of you over 50 will remember that one. But moving swiftly on, um, I think uh, Serene's address did really stimulate the, the, the brain cells. And to me, the phrase of too many businesses for too long have been the passive consumers of the fruits of our education system really rang true. But on the other hand, the work by companies in setting up training academies such as Global uh, in Nick Roy McGregor, such as Steel Engineering in Renfrew, uh, such as the Subsea Initiative, uh, Subsea 7 Training Initiative in Dumbartonshire, such as the work that SSE and Scottish Power are doing, just to, to mention a few, I mean there are many, many more, <coughs> illustrates that many companies have got it, but not only have they got it, but some of those companies, Steel Engineering for example, have attracted a Samsung contract, partly because Samsung were impressed by the fact that they are taking a responsible forward-looking, progressive attitude towards themselves accepting responsibility to train the next generation of workforce. Uh, uh, so um, I think a lot of good things are happening, but the question we have to ask is, what more can we do that will work? And uh, I think that's something that we can pursue in all of the sessions that are coming up. Um, I, I should say I have parliamentary duties to do, so that's why I won't be here later. Uh, but could I briefly explain the discussion groups uh, which will take place after coffee. Coffee will be served uh, after I stop speaking and you will enjoy it for 30 minutes uh, or thereabouts and the discussion groups will start, shall we say, at, uh, uh, at 10.40 to give you a bit more time to, to, to mingle with us and, uh, and speak to us. I think that would probably be useful. So the discussion groups will start at 10.40 and they are breakout group one with the red badges, enabling young people to play a full role in Scotland's workforce, hosted by Angela Constance. Would you please go to the Shackleton suite? Uh, breakout group two with the yellow badges, the role of the education system in supporting business growth, supported by Mike Russell. Go to the Constellation suite, suitable name for Galaxy of Ministers. The green badges, breakout group three, helping SMEs to grow, hosted by Alex Patterson. Uh, Chief Executive of HIE, go to the Vanguard Suite. Blue Badges, Breakout 4, Business, the Digital Future, hosted by Planning Minister Derek Mackay, going to the Edinburgh Suite, uh, sorry, Planning and Local Government. And Clear Badges, Breakout Group 5, How Innovation Can Drive Business Growth, uh, hosted by Fiona Hislop, go to the Viscount uh, Room. And finally, could I highlight to delegates that in a slight change from previous format, uh, when we regroup here at midday, uh, there will not be a report back from the facilitators. We found that just takes a bit too long. It's a very difficult task to do, really, to communicate the nature of a discussion uh, in that short time. Instead, there will be a longer open session, open discussion session with ministers so that there's more time for all of you to put points on the topics that you discuss. So uh, enjoy the day, make the most out of it, and thank you very much indeed for coming.